Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I'm so happy to bring the word to you. And go ahead and turn in your Bibles. Get your Bible out. How many of y'all use an iPad, iPhone, whatever you use? How many of y'all have a real Bible? Yeah, yeah, y'all know what I mean, a paper copy. Uh, This is real too. Uh, But we're going to have all the scriptures behind me on the screen today. But hey, we're going to jump into a little mini-series on relationships. Uh, The other campuses have been working through this message series. So we're going to jump in, join them today and then next Sunday, we'll do one more message. And by the way, it's Pastor David's birthday. I think it was, was it yesterday? Yesterday, okay. So text him, give him whatever you feel led to give him. But how many of y'all are thankful for Pastor David? So thankful for him. He's not here today. I sent him away. And I said, listen, it's your birthday. You do whatever you want to do on your birthday. So uh, he is not with us. But make sure you, you give a shout out to him however you see fit. But we're going to jump into this message today on the topic of relationships, and how many of y'all know relationships are important? They are very important. They're important for, well, a number of reasons. First of all, because Jesus came from heaven to the earth to make sure, watch this, that we could have an eternal relationship with God. How many of y'all are thankful today that you are in Christ and your relationship with God is right because of Jesus? Can I hear you today? But at the same time, while that's the greatest relationship we'll ever have, at the same time, Jesus came from heaven to the earth to die and to provide a model and a method and even a power for us to have great relationships. Not perfect, but great relationships with one another. How many of y'all know in the church, our relationships won't be perfect, but they should be a model for the world to see based on the way we love one another in this place, in this house with one another. That's a model for people to look at and say, oh, they're Jesus' disciples. So how many of y'all know love is important? Relationships are important. And so I'm going to talk to you today about relationships, but in particular, I want to talk about something that's, well, it's the, mm, the eggshell in the omelet. Uh, it's the thing that has the potential. Did y'all get that picture? The, the, it has the potential to spoil, to even ruin, to, well, minimize the importance of relationships in our lives. And it's been said that there are two things that are certain in life, death and what? Can I add a third? May I, may, may I add a third? Can I do that? Yeah. Let me add another one. Death, taxes, and conflict. How many of y'all know conflict is inevitable? It is an absolute certainty that you are going to experience conflict in your marriage, in your relationships with one another, here in this place, with your co-workers, with your colleagues, wherever you go, where two or more are gathered, how many of y'all know there's going to be some what? There's going to be some conflict inevitably. And so I'm going I'm to preach on this. I haven't preached on this a while, in a while, and this is a, a very relevant, practical topic. Normally, I go through entire passages, entire books. Today, I'm going to hop around to, well, a number of different passages, and we're going to go to the Word of God, and we're going to see what the Word of God has to say about how to handle conflict. But before we go to the Word of God, I want you to, here in just a second, I want you to direct your attention to the screen. And before you show it, uh, let, let me say publicly, 
Did you already see it? Man, can't take y'all anywhere, man. No, I'm just teasing. It wasn't y'all's fault. Hey, uh, let me say publicly what's true privately. Uh, this woman right here, my bride, my beautiful bride. And there's a little Aniston. Aniston, you want to wave? She's like, nope, not going to do it. We have a great marriage. We have a great marriage. And we're about to celebrate 20 years. We have a great marriage. Not a perfect marriage, but we have, we have a great marriage. But let me take you back. You already saw it. Y'all gave it away. Um, we got married in 2004, and we started out pretty rocky. <laughs> we loved each other. We knew that God had brought us together. We had a few conflicts before we got married, but right after we got married, well, go back. Let me show, show them the picture. Let me, let, me, let me see. All right, there you go. Look at that clean-shaven face. <laughs> look at that. And look at her. We're a bunch of kids back then, baby. Look at that. This was out in the desert. We lived in Phoenix in, at the time, and a guy from the church had a really good camera. And so we asked him to take some, some pictures. So we went out in the desert, got our pictures taken, and I, th I think I counted like 67 of these pictures. And, um, and all of them, if you look through the whole list, we're, we're smiling and we're posing. And it, it, it looks really good right here. I mean, it look, looks like we're really happy, doesn't it? But what I want you all to know before God, baby, I don't know if you remember this. I'm sure you do. About 20 minutes before that picture was taken, we had some real good conflict in the desert. And I don't even remember, do you remember what it was? Well, yeah, I mean, it was something very small, so small. I don't even remember what it was, but I do remember that we conflicted on the way to get our pictures made. And y'all see how, you see how happy she looks right there? Don't let, it, don't let her fool you. Do you see where her hands are? Right there by my neck? She's thinking about all the ways to take me out. You remember that, baby? I mean, it was, it was over something so stupid, so foolish. But that, that's kind of a picture of, well, what she was really feeling on the inside about me at that time. But th this is funny, but this is true for all of us in varying degrees and in different contexts. We all experience conflict. If you've been married for any length of time, let me say more than two weeks, <laughs> you've experienced some conf conflict. Let me see your hands if you've, you've had some conflict. Let me see, every married person just go ahead and say, yep, yeah, us. Some of y'all had some on the way to church today. <laughs> or maybe last night before bed, I don't know. But, but, but conflict is here. It's with us, and it's with us to stay. And so we can't avoid it altogether, but, but let, me, let me just share this with you. Every single one of us grew up with a front row seat to the good, the bad, and the ugly in our parents. Didn't you? Some of you grew up in homes where there was constant conflict. And I don't mean healthy conflict, the sort that's worked out in a biblical way. I mean cursing, fighting, physical, verbal altercations. Like some of you grew up with the front row seat to that. You didn't ask for it. But that got downloaded into your soul and into your psyche. And maybe today, you, here you are years later, maybe even decades later, you're married, and your default response is to do to your spouse what you saw in your parents' marriage. Maybe that's the default response. And may, maybe for you, cursing and, and fighting and yelling, maybe it's normal for you. Listen, 
it might be normal, but that doesn't mean it's healthy. Did y'all get that? It might be normal, and it might be just the regular way of your life and how you handle conflict, but just because it's normal doesn't mean that it's healthy. Others of you here, maybe you're, you're not a spewer, you're not cursing, and you're not like bombastically engaging the other, but maybe, maybe you're a stuffer. Raise, raise your hand here if you're a stuffer by nature. Like something bothers you, you're not going to talk about it, you're going to stuff it. Come on, let me see your hands, stuffers. Come on, stuffers. Welcome to church, stuffers. Come on, spewers. Let me see your hands, spewers. We got spewers. We got stuffers. Raise your hand if you're healthy. You're like, I know how to handle conflict. Very well. No, nobody at Midtown. Man, we need to do some more marriage series around here. I'm messing with y'all. But how, how many of y'all know we're all over the place in how we handle conflict? And it's so important for us to go to the Word of God, to the one who created us, to be able to be equipped to know how to handle conflict appropriately. Even if you're good in this way, especially if you're bad in this area, how many of y'all know we can all grow? Come on, y'all talk to me. How many of y'all know we can all grow? How many of y'all know we should grow in this area? As Jesus followers, as his disciples, we must grow in this area. So let's get right down to it today. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. First of all, when we talk about conflict, first of all, know this. I've written most, not all, but most conflict begins because of the sin within. Isn't that true? Not all. But be the judge in your own life and in your own marriage. And this isn't just for married people, just with your relationships with people. Most, not all, of, this, uh, of the conflict we experience begins with the what? The sin where? Within. We are not morally neutral. We are not, let me say it this way, we are not naturally bent toward serving and making much of and honoring others. We are hardwired, thanks to Adam and Eve, but Adam, we have the sin of Adam. We are hardwired to prefer who? <laughs> Ourselves, right? That's like from the womb. We come out hardwired spiritually to prefer self, to prefer what we want over what other people want. That's just the way we are naturally. But when you become a believer, we are now called to walk at a higher standard with a greater power. And what Christ did in us is greater than what Adam handed on to us. How many of y'all know we can overcome the dysfunction and the sin within? Not be perfect, but we can be different. And so when you think about conflict in your own life, you be the judge of this. You look around in your own heart, mind, and context. But listen to what James says here. James, he asks, what causes quarrels? James 4.1. What causes quarrels? And what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions, everybody say passions. Your passions are at war where? Where? So this isn't something that begins external, right? It begins where? Internal, at war within you. You desire and do not have, so you murder. Like that's the worst case scenario. You murder, you covet, and cannot obtain, so you fight and you what? You, you quarrel. You do not have because you do not what? You do not ask. Now, let me be fair and balanced here at Midtown. Sometimes, well, we engage in conflict because we just need a good night's sleep. We're tired. How many of y'all know sometimes the best thing you can do when you're feeling conflicted and mad is just to go to bed? But on the other hand, the Bible says don't let the sun go down on your anger. 
So how many of y'all, we got to balance this out. Come on, Cajuns, you know this term. What's it called when you're hungry and you're angry? Come on, Cajuns, how many of y'all get hangry sometimes? Like you just need to eat. Like your blood sugar gets low. And because it's low, man, you, you're in a bad mood. And something that's so small, a molehill gets turned into a mountain. Sometimes we need to go to bed. Sometimes we just need to eat. But we do need to remember this, that conflict often begins because of the sin, the passions, the sinful passions that are at war within us. I've told this story before. Let me tell it again. I'm only sharing it again because things haven't changed in my house. So what I'm about to do, let me set this up. This is called passive-aggressive preaching. Are you all ready? So years ago, you remember the first time Nick Swear? Where's Nick? Nick, Nick, you'll remember this? And Trent, too. Years ago, in Bruce Hart, I shared this story. That in my house, here's the way I flow. I'm getting real practical with you all today, okay? In my home, well, I don't like to take the trash out every five hours. Now, some of you rich folks, you, you've got a trash compactor. Well, in my house, I am the trash compactor. Okay? So I like to, well... When, when the trash starts piling up, I go, and if I see it, leaders see the need, take the lead, right? I, I go in, I open the door, I see it, and what do I do? What do you do? Come on. You pu- I push it down because I'm trying to make room, more room for more trash, right? Over the years, I've said to my beautiful bride, baby, when you see the trash piling up, take that beautiful hand of yours and just give it a little push. <laughs> push it down. Do you think? that she has listened to the man of God. (laughs) No. No, not once. Just the other day, I was getting ready to take the trash out. I had it zip-tied at the top, top, ready to actually have one of the boys take it out. And she comes by and just chops a piece of trash on the top. And it just rests on the top. And inside, passions were at war within me. And I wanted to say, woman, I wouldn't say that to you, baby beautiful bride of mine why dost thou doest this to me (laughs) I was about to go King James on her you know but I didn't did I say anything I don't remember now she's training our kids to do the same thing and I'm the only trash compactor in the house as it stands so anyway the point is it can be something silly it can be me wanting to have my way with something like that her having her way by the way, how many of y'all know that's the worst she does? We're doing really well in our marriage. You're a beautiful, awesome bride, baby. But work on that, okay? So, but, <laughs> but, but the devil will use something like that. Hey, what, what do I take away from this? When I start getting upset, I got to push those sinful desires to have my way down. When the flesh starts rising up, how many of y'all know we as believers... Listen, we've been saved from the penalty of sin, delivered from the power of sin, but we have to use that power and authority to crucify the flesh on a daily basis so that Christ lives through us. Now, some of y'all say, amen, yes, I know that, but this preach is easy, but it lives hard. Come on, married people. Dying to self, preferring others, it's the way of the kingdom. So what's the solution? Number one, if you're taking notes, do this first. Know this, the call to follow Jesus is the call, single people, married people, all people, all Christians, to die to self. I've been crucified with Christ, no longer I who live, but who lives in me and you? 
Christ. It's a call to die constantly to self and to live for others. Pastor Jacob 101, your marriage will live to the extent that you die to yourself. Isn't that true? How many of y'all been married long enough to know that's true? The mar- your marriage will live to the extent you die to yourself. Solution number two. Come on, y'all. As the people of God, let's do our best with all of our relationships. Really seek by the power of the Spirit to put others first. Man, why is that sometimes so hard to do? Have y'all found that hard to do sometimes? Sometimes it's easy. In Cajun traffic, you know, somebody will stop and let like 90 cars through. <laughs> Roundabouts turn into people putting on their blinker and like half of a Cadiana goes through. And I'm like, I'm like, can you please go? I'm like, I'm used to Dallas traffic where every man is for himself. Like in Phoenix, and like here everybody's so nice. Like we get it at the roundabout, but we can fail to do it in marriage. Putting others first. Die. Everybody say die. We, don't, we sometimes leave this out when we give the, the call to salvation. It's not just who wants to go to heaven. It's who, starting today, by faith and repentance, is ready to die to yourself for the rest of your life until you see Jesus face to face. How many of y'all know sometimes that will eliminate some of the hands that go up? <laughs> But I'm telling you today, that is the call to Christian discipleship. Death to self, living for others. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians 2, 3 and 4. Do nothing. Everybody say nothing. Nothing. That means nothing. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more. More what? More significant than who? This this hurts than ourselves and yourselves. Let each of you not only... Not, look, not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of, of others. The ability, the supernatural ability to put others first is what marks us as the people of God. You say, well, what happens if I do that? Who's going to think about me? See, you're still thinking about you. <laughs> Who's going to think about you? Think about in a marriage if you get two people who are constantly thinking about the other. If I'm constantly thinking about how to meet her needs and her interests, then guess what? Her needs are going to be met. She doesn't have to worry about them because I'm worried about them for her. What happens if she's feeling the same way about me and acting the same way? Then in a marriage covenant, you get two people who are not just passionately in love with one another the way the world defines that. How many of y'all know in the world love is, it's oftentimes primarily a feeling. And thank God for the feelings. But in Christian marriage, love is an action. It's a verb when we prefer the others and serve the other. How many of y'all know it's in that place where Christ is glorified and the marriage grows and flourishes and becomes a billboard for the grace of God in our lives? Are y'all with me today? This is what he's called us to. What happens if, if I think about Others in my workplace, others around me. Who's going to think about me? Listen, listen to what Proverbs says. Proverbs eleven twenty five. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be what? Well, if if you, I mean, if we can focus on watering others, blessing others, the Bible says that we will be watered. We will be blessed. How many of y'all know God will find a way to do that? Usually it's through other people who are thinking the same way, who are like Christ. Are y'all with me today? So we have to begin with the sin within. And and I want to really challenge you today to look to the selfish areas of your life. And this is not just in marriage. This is across the board with people all around. 
And today, ask the Holy Spirit to point that out to you. And come on, by the power of Jesus, let's put those things to death. And let's walk forward healthy. Number two, this is so good, and I want you to really lean in on this one. Number two, we must choose our battles wisely. This is true in marriage. And let me, this, this wasn't in my notes, but it's in my head. And on Facebook. And on social media. Do y'all understand? I could, if I allowed myself to, Pastor Jacob would never let me do this, and neither would y'all hold me accountable to this. I could spend every waking moment of my life on social media debating people. Some of y'all are close to that. (laughs) Nah, not at Midtown, not here. That's another campus. I'm I'm messing with y'all. Y'all lighten up today. But truly, y'all know who I'm talking about, people who spend a good amount of time on social media debating, it seems like, just about everything. There is a time to engage. I'm going to talk about that. But, well, all the time is over the top because not everything is that important. It's like this at Women's and Children's when we went to have Aniston. Um, Maybe I'm getting a little of this off. If I'm a little imprecise, forgive me. But I recall there, there's what's called triage. Ladies, remember triage? Woman, you think you're going into labor? Maybe you are. And they assess you. And then based on how far along you are, they put you in this room, not that room, right? If, if room number one is the room for, you know, of most importance, then they go down the line. One, two, three. Well, we have to triage the, the offenses that we, that we experience, the, the conflict around us, the things that bother us. Not everything in your marriage needs to go in room one. Not everything in your life in the church that someone said or didn't say needs to go into room one. How many of y'all know that can be important? But you have to, in the moment, you've got to really get before God and say, is this truly a big deal in light of eternity? Let, let me quote someone who said it years ago. If it doesn't, matter in heaven, then it shouldn't matter here on earth. And how many of y'all know sometimes we can get caught up in little things, and because actually it's not even that thing, it's other things in our lives that have bothered us, that we're mad about, then someone says something or does something that triggers us? You ever been there? Today? (laughs) Maybe? Recently? Hey, it's not even usually about that one event, it's about previous things that have happened that have upset you, burned you, made you bitter, made you feel a sense of unforgiveness, and then somebody, wrong time, wrong place, wrong way, set you off, boom. We have to be so careful because the devil will use just about anything he can to trip us up, to offend us, and ultimately to get us at odds with one another. How many of y'all know we should not be unaware of the devil's schemes? Oftentimes we are. We're unaware. We think it's just the big stuff. No, it can be little things in our lives that trip us up. Listen to this one. Maybe you've never heard this, but let me go public with it. Proverbs 25, 24. It is better to live in a corner of the housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. Check your Bible. I promise it's there. I did not make that up. Man, picture yourself in a fetal position on the corner of your house. It's better to be up there than down in the house with a woman who's constantly fighting and quarreling with you. And all the men said, you're like, do I I amen to that? Do I say it or not? Now, let's flip it around, ladies. Come on, ladies, wives. Picture yourself. 
Fetal position, corner of the roof, hanging on for dear life, not comfortable, rain, wind. It's better to be there than in the house with a quarrelsome man. And all the ladies are going to say with a loud voice. <laughs> They're a lot louder. <laughs> it works both ways, doesn't it? How many of y'all know the Bible tells us the truth? <laughs> it's better to live in a corner of the housetop than to live in the house with someone who's constantly stirring up trouble constantly engaging wisdom involves knowing when to stand your ground when to engage this is true at work this is true in traffic <laughs> this is true everywhere you go wisdom involves knowing when to stand and when to walk listen to what proverbs 19:11 says a man's wisdom gives him patience it is his glory look at that it is your glory to overlook a what an offense it is the glory of a person to say I'm not going to get tripped up on that. He didn't shake my hand. She didn't say hi. They mispronounced my name. You, I mean, you can go down the list of little things, little foxes that, watch this, in church, you've got to be on the lookout for this. You're going to get offended here. Somebody's going to come in, they're going to shake your hand, forget your name. Somebody's going to come in and walk right past you. I've probably done that to somebody who were like trying to give me a high five. I didn't even see you. Years ago, somebody got mad at me at Reds because I wasn't talking to them. Honestly, I, they had their things on. I wasn't even thinking about it because I didn't think they were thinking about it. And I never want to just blow past someone <laughs> and offend anybody. But I've done it before. Have y'all done it before unintentionally? How many of y'all done it maybe intentionally before? Maybe in your BC days? We're not looking to, to offend people, are we? We should never be that way. But because we are imperfect people, we are going to offend people. But we really want to make sure that we're minimizing those occasions. But the word for offense in Greek, it comes from scandalon. And scandalon, scandalon refers to the, the trigger on an animal trap. And when you're offended, here's the picture. That you, 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 you take the trigger, you take the bait, and when you, when you get triggered and you take the bait in the trap, you get trapped in that offense. There are people who are going from church to church, even marriage to marriage, because their, th their hearts are so embittered, because they are so offended, because they've been hurt by other people, and they have not taken the time to get healing for those offenses. And they think that, well, if I go to another church, if I go to another campus, surely people love me the right way at that place. But wherever you go, there will be problems. You've heard it said before. There are no perfect churches. And if there were, the moment you show up, you're going to make it what? <laughs> it's just the way it is, right? Are y'all with me today? I'm talking about real stuff. I'm talking about things that one small thing can get you out of this place, away from the people that love you if you're not on guard. And not just on guard, but having the resolve to say, you know what? I've been moving around. People have hurt me for maybe all my life, and you can say, but I'm going to stop today. I'm going to refuse to be offended by small things. I'm going to learn to say, by the power of the Holy Spirit, it's not a big deal. Can I get a better one? Some of you, you just, and I love you, but you, you got to get to the point where you just say, I'm going to overlook the offense. They probably didn't mean it. It was probably an accident. But even if it was intentional, I'm not going to get trapped Triggered and trapped by that offense. Are y'all receiving this? Because how many of y'all know our unity 
our unity is more important than our opinions. And your opinions are important, but they're not ultimate. The relationship is. And so let's fight, let's fight to have good, healthy relationships. Let me move to the next one. So there, there's a time to say, not a big deal. Not a big deal. I'm secure. Dude forgot my name. The lady did whatever. Okay, no big deal. But next, and I'm just giving silly examples off the top of my head. What is, what, what is it for you that you have to overlook? There's a time to overlook things, but number three, we must learn to deal with our offenses properly. And I could preach six months on this. Y'all know it's true. On just about anything, for that matter. But especially this. Because in the church today, and I, and I hate to, I don't want to overstate my case, but let me just say, in my experience in our church today, I've seen a lot of people get offended and it's something that they need to talk about and confront, but they're afraid to. And what's the tendency for some people? Not all, of course, some. Someone will get offended, and then instead of going to the person who offended them, what does that person often do? Gets on the phone. He gets on the phone. She gets on the phone, commiserates with somebody else who understands them. We can, if we're not careful, Instead of going to the person who offended us, go to other people who had no knowledge of the situation. We can vomit and dump on them, which might feel good for a moment, but the Bible calls that sinny sin, sin. <laughs> feel what I'm saying. It's sin. And let's call it what it is. It's gossip. It can be gossip, and, and, and it's like it has tentacles. It has uh, different expressions and subsets that sin does in the way that it manifests. Now, I'm not saying that you can't go to counseling. I'm not saying that you can't ever share your heart. What I am saying is that if someone has directly offended you, then you need to get to that person as quickly as possible to say, you really hurt me. That's not our natural proclivity, is it? What do you want to do? Let's all be honest. What do most of us want to do? It's just what I said, right? Go around. We're going to get it out but to someone who has nothing to do with the situation. Listen to what Proverbs says again. Proverbs is loaded with wisdom, as you would imagine. Listen. For lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. Can I give you a good pastoral challenge? Stop the whispering about people in the church. Stop the whispering about other people that have offended you. Go to them, sit at the table, don't whisper, but calmly share what has been done and pray that repentance will take place. Paul says, as far as it's up to you and me, let's be at peace with all people. Now, there are times if you go to a person, they may not have it. They may not see the sin. They might not own it. But guess what? That's on them. It's on me. It's on you to make sure that we do our part to try to make peace. If they don't respond, what do you do? You pray. You pray. If they don't respond well, well, Matt, Jesus says you take another person. There are layers to this where you, you want to get down to the root issue and bring reconciliation. But what I'm saying to you is go to the person. Don't rush to it. Pray first. Pray first. And then calmly share. Man, 
you blew it. Dude, you blew it. I can't believe you said that to me. Give them the benefit of the doubt, but say, this is how I felt. When you said that, here's how it made me feel. How many of y'all know we should all be the sort of Christians when um, someone comes to us and they share something we've done? We have to make sure that we don't, that we don't provide this like built-in consequence where they feel like if I share, then I'm in trouble. How many of y'all know we need to remove the built-in consequence and say, if, if, if I have hurt you, please share. And to be able to do that in a way that's disarming. Over the years, I know I've hurt people. Not intentionally. I've said things. I've done things. Yeah, let me give you some more Pastor Jacob today. If we fail to lead by example, we are called to lead by repentance. Did you get that? I've blown it. Have y'all blown it? Of course you have. Will you blow it in the future? Of course you will. When you fail to lead by example, lead by repentance and say, you know what, I'm so sorry. When they confront you, say, I'm sorry, that's on me. And let me call that what it is. That's sin. Forgive me. Are y'all receiving this? We're not going to be perfect at this, but let's grow together in this area. Years ago, about 10 years ago, if I remember correctly, a couple came to me and said, Pastor Scott, we need some counseling. So I met with them, sat down with them, and they, they'd spoken. They confronted the issue in their marriage, but they needed some help. And I was so proud of them for coming to ask for help. Sat down with them, heard them out. The husband, he was pretty animated. He said, Pastor Scott, this lady, this woman right here, my wife, we can't get along. We're having some conflict. And I said, well, what's going on? He said, she thinks money grows on trees. <laughs> and I said, do tell. Give me more details. She thinks money grows on trees. She thinks I'm made of money, 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 money. <laughs> and I'm trying not, I didn't laugh. I did. I am now because I'm, in, retrospectively, it's hilarious. Money, 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 money. And then he points at her head. And he said, for example, you see that hair? That's not hair. That's a wig. And that cost me a lot of money. I said, brother, I'm thinking, I'll let you say that. I'm not touching it. I'm not going there. Money, money, money. It's draining the account. And I'm I'm thinking, you got a valid point, man. I mean. There is a time, it can be, how many of y'all know the devil will use something as silly as a wig to create division in your marriage? There's a time to talk about money, isn't there, Nick Square? As a financial guy, y'all who are into finance, all which should be all of us to an extent, we need to talk about money, the division it can bring. Y'all know money can, bring, can be one of the greatest causes of conflict in marriage. I was so proud of this guy for sharing about what was going on. I mean, you're talking about getting down to the real issues of marriage. They worked it out. They got a plan because they, they got help. They got outside insight. How many of y'all know, if we'll just do things the Bible's way, God's way, it doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect, but we can eliminate so much hurt, so much harm, so much pain if we'll just go to the source and do it God's way. Come on, can we do it God's way, y'all? Can we commit to that? Can we commit to that? We're almost done. Look at this, number, number four. If you're taking notes, write this down. We can't control what people do. Who said that? <laughs> Go to Youngsville. I'm teasing. No, don't, don't you move. I want you right here. I'm just messing with you. 
you stay right here. I don't want to offend you. <laughs> she said, well, you just did public. Don't you move an inch. It's a fair statement, you know. <laughs> right. We can't control what people do. But we can control how we respond. You can't control what people post. But you can control how you respond. Charles Swindoll, a great preacher, said that life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of what? Of how you react to it. Now, I don't know if that math is right, but at least that resonates with us, doesn't it? I don't know if it's that, if it's that much, but I will say that, I mean, things are going to happen to us that we just can't control. People are going to do things to you that just you didn't plan on. The pain came, the hurt came. You can't always control what's around you. You definitely can't control what people do. But you, we can control how we respond. Someone said, man, I know this guy, thinking of a believer, and described this person as someone just out of control. Listen, an out-of-control Christian is a contradiction. Let me say that again. An out-of-control Christian is a contradiction. Because the fruit of the Spirit is what? It's a lot, but self-control. I'm not saying that there won't be moments in your life where you feel that way or are that way. I'm not trying to condemn people who have. What I'm saying is on a regular basis, if you say, Pastor, it's just the way I am. It's the way I was raised. It's the way I talk. It's the way I respond. Listen, that's old Adamic confession, meaning from Adam, that you're just confessing the flesh, you're confessing the pattern that's been handed on to you. In Christ, you're a new creation. In Christ, you have new power. In Christ, you get a new vocabulary. In Christ, we have a new response to people who rub us the wrong way. Are y'all with me today? Man, I'm not saying you got to be perfect. I'm just saying let's grow in this together. See, Adamically, from Adam, the sin in us, if someone offends us, what do we want to do in response? Offend back, right? If someone bombs you, you want to bomb them, right? Someone cuts you off. And I'm not saying this is every time. I'm saying just from the nature of who we are in Adam, we want to return bomb for bomb, insult for insult, hurt for hurt. Well, y'all, that's the old way. How many of y'all are thankful that you've been baptized into Christ, the old you is dead, the new you is alive? Right? We, we baptize here, we take you under, which is symbolic of you being buried with Christ. Unfortunately, that old man comes up, you got to, no, I'm not going to respond according to the old nature, I'm not going to respond in the flesh. I'm going to respond by the power of the Holy Spirit who has made me brand new. We have the ability by the Holy Spirit to be self-controlled, to be loving, peaceful people. Can I get an amen? And if you've blown it and you have, we all have to some extent. Thank God for the grace of God. How many are so thankful for his mercies that are brand new every day? That no matter how bad your relationships or your marriage is today, there is so much grace, massive amounts of mercy for you to begin again today. So when someone offends you, don't take it personally. I know that's difficult. But do take it prayerfully to the Lord. Don't take it personally. Take it prayerfully to the Lord. 
and I've lived long enough to know, I should have known better when I started trying to begin with, I can't change anybody. Have y'all tried to? How'd that work out for you? You can't manipulate, you can't change them, but what you can do is pray for them, and I know someone who can, and his name is Jesus. He saved and changed a wretch like me, and I say this almost all, I say this almost every Sunday here, if he did it to me, y'all are easy. If he changed me, y'all are easy. But don't take it personally. Take it prayerfully to the Lord. The old way said bomb them. Listen to what Peter says. We're almost done. 1 Peter 3, 9. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, what? Bless. The next time somebody really makes you mad, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get fired up. I want you to meet them face to face. And I want you to put your finger right there, just like this, in their face and say, you've done it now. You've done it now. I'm going to have to bless you. <laughs> What's your action point? There it is right there. Maybe not the finger part, but you've blown it. But you know what? The Bible says that I must not return curse for curse, bomb for bomb. But when I'm bombed by you, I'm going to bless you. Boy, how I many of y'all know that's challenging? But when we tap into the power of the Holy Spirit, when we're true disciples of Jesus, this will eventually become supernaturally natural in our lives. Let's go there. Y'all ready to go there? Nobody. Y'all ready to go there? Okay, just making sure. Lastly, look at this, number five. We must make reconciliation a top priority. Now, this follows logically and theologically, doesn't it? Because isn't this what God has done for us? He made reconciliation with you a priority, humanly speaking. Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. God foresaw your need, saw, foresaw your issues, and made provision beforehand for it. How great is our God? In other words, so Jesus left heaven to come to the earth because here's the biblical picture. Let me end with the gospel. By nature, we are children of wrath, enemies of God, and because of our sin, not only are we warring against God, but there's a penalty and punishment that's on us because of our sin, and it's not from the devil, it's from God himself. We are under his wrath by nature. That's the bad news. The good news is that God, being rich in love, sent Jesus, our substitute, to come from heaven to the earth to die in our place, to shed his blood so atonement could be made. Atonement means at one minute. We were estranged. We were at odds with God. But now, because of Jesus, we've been brought together. And now, Paul says in Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with who? With God through our Lord our Lord Jesus Christ. The picture here is, the word is irene in Greek, shalom in Hebrew. We have peace with God. I don't know what else you have in this life, but if you have peace with God, you've got everything. You might not have that much money. You might not have all the things of this world that you want. You might not have X, Y, Z, but if you have peace with God, You've got everything.
that means you've been reconciled. That means you've been redeemed. That means that now you're the friend of God, walking in the power of God and the peace of God. What else do you need? Well, you're going to need more in life. It all flows from that relationship. Oh, the peace of God. It transcends all understanding, doesn't it? You don't get it fully. Like we amen it and clap it, but it's not one that can be fully mentally grasped. It just has to be received. And I'm so thankful for the peace of God that Christ provides. Man, the ability to go home and go to bed, to lay your head on your pillow and to rest in peace. I've said it before, let me say it again. You rest in your bed, but true peace is found at the cross in Jesus Christ. True rest, true peace, it's found at the cross. And so as we conclude, shouldn't we, who are at peace with God, Shouldn't we, as we seek to follow Jesus, seek to be like him in attitude and action and be peacemakers everywhere we go? It works out this way. Jesus says, we're almost done. Matthew 5, 23 and 24. If you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, Verse 24, read it with me. Leave, everybody say leave. Leave your gift there before the altar and do what? And go. Go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Let's contemporize this. What Jesus is basically saying applied today is that God cares more about our relationships than he does the money that we bring to legacy though he wants you to give too, he's more concerned about us being right with people than he is with us leaving our gift, which is a religious thing that looks great on the outside. But what happens if our relationships in the world are like the rerun on the weather channel of the tornado that went through Dallas and there's wreckage everywhere? Now, don't feel condemned because I said that. Maybe that's been the picture of your past, of relationships that you've been in. Don't feel condemned because of that. But please do feel conviction. We have peace with God. Therefore, we are called to make peace as best we can with other people. When we blow it, we own it. When confronted, let's not rise up in pride. Let's lower ourselves in humility and repent. Come on, can we be professional repenters? Jesus says, go, make it right, then come back and offer your gift. That's convicting. Don't just be religious externally. Be right with people relationally. That's what God is after for us. And I pray that you walk away today. Again, I, I don't want anybody here to feel condemned, I'm a terrible person, I've made my life a train wreck. But maybe some of that's true. I want you to walk away today, no matter how good or bad your skills are and your relationships are, walking away today saying, God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I want to do this your way. For us to rise today in mercy and grace, and I just pray, by the way, over every married couple here, may, may God's face shine upon you in your marriages. 
in your relationships with your coworkers. May God use us to bring peace all around us. May God use us here at Midtown, not as perfect people, but as change, transform people as a billboard for his life-changing, relationship-forming grace at work in our lives. So that people will look at us and say, I don't even believe in Jesus, but they belong to him. I'm not into the Jesus stuff, but man, the way they carry themselves, they're consistent with what they profess to believe. Amen. Y'all want to go there? Y'all want to grow in this area? Man, I do. I want to grow with you. I want to grow with you. And I want you right now, I want you to just lift your hands. Let's just ask the Lord to help us. Try to just be still. I know some people have to get up. That's okay. But try to be still for just a minute. Let me minister to you for just a minute. Couples, if you're beside one of them, just grab your spouse's hand. Keep the other one up. Father, I pray today for all of the married couples here, for the single people, or no matter where my friends are here in life, Lord, I just pray for your grace. Lord, forgive us for not taking relationships as seriously as you take them. Lord, forgive us. We've all blown it. I know I have. Forgive us, Lord, for every misstep, for every harsh word, for every contribution to the brokenness of this world from our mouths, ultimately from our heart. God, forgive us today. And Lord, I pray for your amazing grace to just just be poured out across every marriage and every relationship here. We ask today, Christ, for you to do a true work in us. Lord, let us leave today filled with the fruit of the Spirit, manifesting the fruit of the Spirit. I pray for kindness. I pray for patience. I pray for gentleness. But lastly, Lord, I do pray for the courage and the resolve. Some of you here, you need to go and make it right with somebody today. Maybe it's the, with the person that you're holding hands with right now. Maybe you just need to give a, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. I really blew it. Would you please forgive me? But Lord, we pray today that you would do this work in us and that you would do this work through us. Jesus, we thank you for this convicting but sure word. And we pray it now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the all-abiding Holy Spirit. And all of Midtown said, amen. 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 Come on, can you stand with me?